What's up, you guys? I'm back, Jason Schwartz with the Sauce Lab Podcast. I hope you guys are having a good day and you're ready to hear a little bit of football talk, a little bit of NFL draft talk. Um, Last week, I had said that I wasn't going to do something about the draft this week, but with it approaching so soon and there's so many questions to be answered, I literally made a list of questions to be answered. So today we're going to be going over some of the biggest questions that people have going into the draft. We're going to be tackling them, giving my opinion. I want to hear your guys' takes on what you guys think. I'm obviously very ready for the draft when there's actually going to be all this shakeup that everybody's talking about. Uh, Every single year, something insane happens last year. I could name a hundred. The Henry Ruggs going first, Jalen Hurts going to the Eagles. So many different things were so big and surprising. I really love the draft, and we're gearing up. Uh, This week, there really wasn't any big NFL news, really all that it's been for as long as I can really remember since free agency really hasn't been official news. Everything's more just like speculation about the draft and speculation about who's going to what team and things like that. Other than Jadavian Clowney going to the Cleveland Browns, which I'll actually touch on really quickly, I don't think that it is monstrous and it's going to shake up the entire league, but I think that it's depth at a position that the Browns definitely need. Somebody, anybody alongside Miles Garrett, I think will have some bit of success because he's so good at making the pressure himself. And for as much as Clowney's sack numbers have gone down and he's definitely been regressing as he's continued to be in this league, I think that he could definitely rebound. I think that he'll definitely do better than he was in the Titans. The Titans really didn't have any other sense of an edge presence whatsoever. I also really like Cleveland's secondary, John Johnson, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, uh, Grant Delpit, just a lot of guys back there that I really like. So if they can hold their coverage, I think that that also gives more time for Clowney to get to the quarterback. I doubt that he has a Pro Bowl season. I doubt that he has over 10 sacks, but it'll definitely be a small contributing piece. Plus, it's a one-year deal. There's not a ton of guaranteed money that's going to put them in a cap bind. I think they have the money. They also then proceeded to cut Sheldon Richardson, which makes me think that they might go defensive line in the draft rather than edge rusher or linebacker, which is originally what I had thought they were going to do. But I the clowny move overall, I'd give it around a 6 or a 7, just because, not 6 or 7, because it's such a great move. Just there's little downside with getting a veteran edge presence. Keep adding to the edge. It's a smart thing to do. So, like I was saying, there's not really any definitive new news, but in the 15 questions, we're going to be answering a lot of different things that people have been asking, media announcers have been asking things that just people have been wondering, and we're going to hop right into it with question number one, a big one starting right in the first five picks, and it's will the Bengals go with Jamar Chase, the receiver out of LSU, or Penny Sewell, the O-tackle slash O-guard out of Oregon? Uh, I mean, it's one that I've tried to wrestle with in both my mock draft and places where I think every player should go. Uh, I did the contrast on that, but I'll just go over it again. Sewell seems to be one of the best tackle-slash-O-line prospects that have came out of college in years. His ceiling is so high, and last year, Joe Burrow was scrambling for his life behind one of the worst offensive lines we've seen a young quarterback have to endure. He then ended up getting an injury because he did not have the proper 
safety and coverage that he needed. So it's very possible that they go with the linemen. But also Sewell, or sorry, Chase was Burrow's receiver in the year that LSU went on to win the national championship, setting records. Easily, I think that if he had joined the draft last year, he would have been the number one pick over Henry Ruggs, over CeeDee Lamb, over Justin Jefferson, over the rest of the people in that class, over Jerry Judy. He's a fantastic talent, and I think that whoever they go with, one of the two guys, will elevate their team an exceptional amount. I think that they're going to get so much better with whoever they pick, one of those two guys. I, I honestly hope that they don't trade down. I'm always a fan of trading down, but it seems like the Bengals in years past are very, like, firm, steady. I think that, honestly, it is smarter to go with Sewell. I think that it'll help the team long-term better to go with Sewell, but it's going against something that... Joe Burrow himself has said that he wants Jamar Chase. We've seen quarterbacks team back up with their college receivers and have a good connection. They already have a connection going into the building. If I were to make the pick, I would go Penne Sewell. Um, wide receiver overall is just less of a need. They have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Alex Erickson, Auden Tate. Uh, they did lose A.J. Green, but he really didn't produce much last year anyways, and they don't have much at tight end, but I just, th there's so much more of a need to just have a better O-line, because I think that Burrow can help elevate any receiver that's a mid-tier guy into a lot better of a guy. I think T. Higgins could easily become an 8-10 to 10 target per game type, or 8-10 to 10 reception per game type guy. Uh, Boyd is great in the slot, great quick routes, and I think you allow this, allow him to have time, allow him to not get injured again. If The only thing that I know for a fact that if they don't draft Penny Sewell and he does get injured somehow, they're going to become the laughing stock of the league that they chose Chase over Sewell, no matter how good Chase gets. I, it's all up to Burrow, is really the success of the team, so getting Sewell will really protect him. On the outside, they do technically have Jonah Williams at left tackle, a guy that they drafted very early two years ago, and Riley Reef, the right tackle from Minnesota Vikings on the other side. So I do assume that they would be sliding Sewell inside, which isn't his primary position, but it might be a little bit better, honestly, for his development, A, and B. I mean, I, I think that there still is a very good possibility that they put him at right tackle and they either slide Riley Reef inside or do something else, but they paid him. So I assume that they'll start with Sewell on the inside and Reef on the outside. And then when Reef leaves, he's not that incredible of a tackle. He's just, I'd say, barely starting caliber. So they'll go Sewell, he'll be on the inside, and then they'll slide outside as he progresses through the league. I think that that'll be the smartest move for them. The next question is, will the Falcons stay put for a QB? Will they stay put and draft a non-QB or will they trade down? I think th really the possible, there are four possible guys that they could pick if they stay there, and that's Kyle Pitts, Penny Sewell, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. Honestly, if I were to put it in order of all the people and the possibility of a trade and whatever, here's the order that I'd go. I'd go Fields first if he's on the board, if he slips past the Niners and the Jets. Lance next, this is assuming that Fields and Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence go in the first three picks, and then you're left with Lance at the fourth. Uh, next would be trade. So I think that I'd rather do a trade than draft Penny Sewell or Kyle Pitts. 
So in that idea, a trade would mean that another team would be trading up to select a quarterback. I really don't see another team trading up to get, I mean, maybe Sewell, but not to four. I think that they would rather trade up to like six, seven, eight, and hope that the Bengals didn't select them. I think that if somebody's trading up to four, they're going to be trading up for a quarterback. So those two are the first possible, then a trade. Then you go Penny Sewell. I know that they already have... Eh, tackles, but tackle is definitely always something that you need. Whoever is going to be their quarterback of the future needs a blindside protector. Uh, and then lastly, out of all those, I have Kyle Pitts. I think that while he is such a freak athlete, while I do completely agree that he will revolutionize the tight end game, and tight ends are consistently on winning teams, they're already such an incredible passing offense that they really don't need to go with another tight end. Uh, this past season, Atlanta was first in passing attempts, fourth in passing yards, so for as much as Pitts would definitely help and make them go from an amazing to a truly elite group, their defense still has so many holes that I'd personally rather them just trade down and then maybe get linebacker and D-lineman, corner and linebacker, corner and safety, anything like that, any like pairing like that, or even just more O-line. I think that that's just overall going to help their team in the future a lot, a lot more. Plus, the idea of pits could be something enough that you could lure it over a team's head and they are dumb and trade up and ended up getting pits. So, also, Matt Ryan should still have small value, and very soon he won't have any value. I mean, I know that their receivers are very good, so I think they'll continue to be pass-happy, but as he gets older, his value will only decrease. So, if you're gonna, if you're in this position, which you're really not gonna be ever again, what I think is that it's just, the Falcons should evaluate those two guys, the two quarterbacks, as in Fields and Lance. If they like either of them, even a smidge, you take them there. If not, you trade out. I think that those are just the, that's the logical way to do it. I think that taking another player there might seem good and might automatically add somebody to your roster, to a roster that really is lacking. But long term, it'll help so much to get a huge haul in a draft where teams are willing to give up those huge hauls. Third question is, will the Giants add another receiver? And I think, yes, if circumstances permit themselves, I think that the only other way that they don't draft a linebacker is if Rashawn Slater or Penny Sewell is there. I think that there is a possibility that they go Micah Parsons. It's not super high on their board. I really don't think that they're thinking cornerback whatsoever after giving a Dory Jackson the three-year deal, after James Bradbury had his breakout season. I don't see them going with another corner. So when they're in that 11 spot and they see Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle is on the board, and say that Slater and Sewell are both off the board, they're definitely going to spring for that. I know that they already have three guys that are pretty solid in Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and Kenny Galladay now. And honestly, they took John Ross very early, so they probably have high hopes for him. So it is possible that they just say, screw it, we already have good enough receivers. But I've all, like I've said in the past, when you have a rookie on their rookie contract and you really want to see who this guy could be, you continue to give him weapons and allow him to cook. I mean, they now have two top 20 tight ends, too. They have a, top five, a perennial top five running back talent coming back. 
I think you just continue to give the weapons to Daniel Jones, open up the offense in a way that no other receiver can with Waddle's speed. So yes, I think that if it's not Slater or Sewell, it's going to be a receiver that's either Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle. Number four, will the Rams, the Seahawks, or the Texans trade back up into the first round? Uh, they're the three teams that do not have a first round pick. And my answer to that is no. I really just don't see them having enough assets in general, enough of a need with somebody in the picks 20 to 32 that they would actually trade up. I know the Rams and Seahawks both have seconds, but the Texans' first pick is in their third round. The Texans really have zero to trade in general, so they're definitely not moving. The Seahawks, I don't see a player of so much need to the Seahawks roster that would be available between 20 and 32 that they would need to trade back up, and same with the Rams. They also, in both of their trade cases they've traded their first next year as well so it's not even like they can trade that first to get back into this first they don't have either so i just don't see any of them trading up and getting any of those guys number five is out of the five main quarterbacks that are being talked about in this year's draft which one's going to go last and my answer to that would be Mac Jones. If the Niners actually do take him and all of their talk about how much they love him and how much he fits the scheme isn't all smokescreen, then obviously I'm going to be wrong. But what it really seems like is that when it gets down to draft day, when you have all this time to look at the tape, they're going to see that Fields is the proven winner. Fields has more talent and it's a wasted pick if they traded all the way up to three just to get Mac Jones. So I see a trickle effect happening. They're either going to take Fields or Mac Jones at three, and then I think at four, it's either the Falcons or another team takes Trey Lance or Fields, whichever one of the two doesn't. And then at five, the Bengals go with somebody else, and then it's really a free-for-all whether Mac Jones will fall or whether another team will trade up. I really don't think that the Lions take Mac Jones. I just don't see it happening. Panthers, now that they've just traded for Sam Darnold, that's definitely not happening. The Broncos, I think that it's a possibility, but when it's when you're really looking at the arm talent and all, and like I feel like th there is an unspoken you're the man of the field type thing and I feel like Drew Locke has it for as much as he's been an inconsistent and inefficient quarterback he has that it the gunslinger the I'm the man the swagger and Mac Jones in my opinion doesn't so while it does restart a quarterback market and give you another chance to get somebody that is new and isn't Drew Locke I think that they'll skip out on him too the teams that I see being high on him are the Bears the football team the Patriots teams like that that could trade up or he could honestly just continue to fall 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 until he goes in the teens or even maybe the 20s i mean I, I think that he can't fall to the 20s i think that it's either the teens or somebody trades up and drafts him earlier for number six which player will shock everyone and actually get selected in the first round i've got a couple names here of guys that i think that throughout uh, the draft process, they've been looked at as second and third round guys that slowly, slowly, especially in the last week, things have really picked up with their names. And I think that they're raising on every draft board. And then during the draft, they're going to go so high. All these guys, I've got Jamin Davis, a uh, linebacker out of Kentucky, uh, Landon Dickerson, the inside linebacker, Deami Brown, the receiver, Richie Grant, safety, Dylan Radins, the tackle, Walker Little, also a tackle, and Elijah Molden, also a safety. Uh, those guys, 
Jamin Davis, I think that out of all the linebackers that are available, he might be the best to make the tackle. I think obviously Micah Parsons is a, is a possibility for that, but I think that he's a better tackler than Zayvon Collins or JOK. They're both better in coverage, but Jamin Davis, because of his speed and tackling ability, I could see him going in the 20s. Landon Dickerson, I could go see him going as high as 15. A lot of teams need interior linemen. I think it's less because he's first round good. I think it's more because there aren't a lot of interior O-linemen after Elijah Vera Tucker goes. I mean, I know people are saying that you could slide Tevin Jenkins inside, but he's primarily a tackle too. So Landon Dickerson, I think, could definitely get the boost if a team really wants a center and has their first round pick and really doesn't have any suitors for a trade down. Dickerson could go high. Diami Brown after Chris Sims put him number one on his list. I think that he's been rising on boards. His shiftiness, his without the ball, his ability to just get open and be shifty and quick and first step is so amazing that I could see him really jumping and going as high as in the early 20s. Uh, Richie Grant and Elijah Molden are both very fast, fly-around-the-field type safeties. Less traditional, more more like they remind me of Buda Baker, uh, some go-around-and-do-everything type guys, and I think that that's a very important position in this league that it could end up jumping. And then the last two are Dylan Radins and Walker Little. Both of those guys actually, they've been talked about a very, very, very small bit, maybe being picked in the first round, but I think that once it gets to the draft and so many teams need to address their O-line, that's something that, because also O-line is something that even if you have no other needs, you could still get O-line depth because there are injuries and shit like that happens. So I see both Little and Raiden's going in picks like 25 to 32 to like the Chiefs, the Ravens who are likely trade Orlando Brown, teams like that that could use a tackle or some more O-line. I think that those two guys are very viable in those areas. Number seven, which player will shock you and not go in the first round? I've got Zaven Collins, Trayvon Merrig, Terrence Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore, and Caleb Farley. Collins has been dropping on some boards because of his tackling ability. He was originally looked at as like a uh, early 20s player. Now I could see him being 30s, 40s. Merrig, he's not consensusly the not consensus the best safety in the class, but he's somebody that I think that I even had him mocked up to the Jaguars at 25. But other safeties have more speed, have more coverage ability, and I think that he could just end up falling. Terrace Marshall and Elijah Moore, less because they're not talented, more because this receiver class is so deep. And I could really see an example where Diami Brown and Kadarius Tony and Rashad Bateman all go in the first round, and then the other teams are just taking edge rushers and O-linemen and they end up falling out just because. So less because they're not good, more because it's such a deep position and teams really don't need to go with the receiver in the first round. We saw that actually last year when like T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, Chase Claypool, all these guys that could have gone first round ended up just falling, falling, falling out of the first round. Still, there was five receivers that went in the first round, but I, I'm saying that there could be six or seven in the first round and still those two guys fall out, which is so insane. And then Caleb Farley, obviously, though he has so much talent and so much potential, it's the back injury, it's the concern of sitting out last year. All that just amounts to when you're looking at him versus a Greg Newsome versus an Eric Stokes versus another cornerback near there, you just say, are we going to take the safer pick 
with a lower ceiling or the less safe pick with a higher ceiling. I just see a lot of people going with the first one. Uh, number eight, which player suddenly falls due to non-football-related issues during the draft day? Uh, the two guys that I see are Micah Parsons and Devonta Smith. This is very similar to Caleb Farley. It's just a when you're looking at their position and who else is available there, you could end up taking the other guy that's not Micah Parsons or Devonta Smith just because of other things. Parsons is mostly due to his character issues and Smith mostly due to his size and weight. Uh, like, I don't think that it's very justified because I think that both could definitely become productive players in the NFL, but I could see an example of a team needs a coverage linebacker, and though Micah Parsons is more highly touted, they go, you know what, Ousu Kormo is faster, better in coverage, uh, we'll go with him, or the same goes for Waddle or Smith. I mean, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. That's another one of our questions, but I could see Waddle going over Smith because of the non-football related, I guess. His size and his weight is really what's going to come into factor for a team to draft him or not draft him. Um, the next one is, do the Patriots select a quarterback in the first or second round? Or are they going to stick with Cam Newton? I think the answer is no. It's There's one circumstance in which they do, and it's trading up to get Mac Jones in the top 10. If not, they won't select a quarterback with 15. I think that that's a reach, especially if the first five are off the board. And then in the second round, there's nobody that's really quote-unquote second round good, especially when you have so many holes all around your team. I think that if they don't package a guy, then they could go receiver, corner, coverage linebacker, coverage free safety, something like that at 15 and with their second round pick. Uh, they could just continue to stack up and build an amazing roster. It seems like Belichick has faith in Cam Newton for this season. And I honestly really like having Cam Newton there. I know that he was pretty unproductive last year, but another year in the Belichick system, run first. He was still getting a lot of rushing touchdowns. I see them just addressing other positions and hoping to make a run with Cam at the starting quarterback spot. Number 10 is what teams are going to be trading up and trading down that aren't in like the top five. So the four teams that I got who I think that have a really good shot of trading up are the Broncos, the Patriots, the football team, and the Eagles. Uh, Broncos, Patriots, football team would likely be doing it for a quarterback, like I said. Uh, I just really don't see trading up being such a viable option. When there's, it really looks like every single position has multiple people that look good to a lot of franchises. I mean, I know that's how the draft works every year, but the quarterback position is one where even the fifth guy still might bring you to a better place than the first best of anything else. So I could really see at the end of that quarterback, it goes quarterback, 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 and then they think that it's going to stop, and then one of those three teams trades up. And then for the Eagles, I think that while they can trade up for a quarterback, what the reports say is that they're trying to trade up, trade back up for a better receiver or maybe Kyle Pitts. I think that if they did Pitts and Goddard, that'd be really good. They're definitely not going to be able to take Pitts at 12. So I think that they're just a possibility to maybe trade back up a little bit. It's kind of ironic because they already traded back down and out from six. So the fact that they might trade back up is kind of weird. And then the teams that I think that could trade down are the Atlanta Falcons, the Detroit Lions, the Cowboys, the Titans, the Jets late in the first round, and the Raiders. I think that it's a lot. The Falcons, they do not technically need a quarterback today, and that pick could be so valuable if a quarterback, if a really good quarterback their team likes is there at their pick. Uh, Lions, they could easily have the pick between Pitts, Chase, 
Slater, all those guys, and with a team that has so little talent, they could use it as bait and just get tons and tons of draft compensation for the next two years, which is, I think, a great way to start a really hard rebuild is to continue to get multiple firsts, multiple seconds, things like that, so the Lions could. Same really goes to the last four teams. They're just teams with multiple holes and draft picks that are somewhat high. Uh, the Titans, I could see them trading out of the first round completely. Same with the Jets. I mean, the Jets obviously keeping their number two pick, but trading out from that 23rd pick just to collect as many pieces as they can. All these teams, for the Raiders, for the Jets, for the Titans, for the Cowboys, to address O-line, to address D-line, to address linebackers, Backers to address the cornerback room. I think that they're all pretty thin in all of those. So all those teams could trade back out of the first and just collect as much draft compensation for years going forward as they can. Number 11 is will any superstars that are already on teams like not draftees, will any superstars be traded on draft night? And I came up with a list of six of them. I think Stefan Gilmore, Odell Beckham Jr., Zach Ertz, Teddy Bridgewater, Orlando Brown Jr., and Jimmy Garoppolo have the six biggest chances of doing it. Uh, Zach Ertz and Orlando Brown probably have a 60% chance just because it seems like the ties are already cut. It's just whether they're going to make that trade now, whether they're going to make it closer to the beginning of the season. Uh, Bridgewater and Jimmy Garoppolo both have a 40% chance. Uh, both of them look like they're going to be moving on with another quarterback. For the Niners, it's whoever they draft at three. And for the Panthers, it's Sam Darnold. So it's a 40% chance because there is still a really high chance that they don't want this guy with a huge cap number on their bench. But also, they could both easily go into the year with those guys starting and have the young guy learn behind them. Gilmore, I think, has a 20% chance of being traded. It's still much smaller. It, Belichick continues to make that rumor. He's going to need to be paid again and renew his contract very soon. So getting value for him now could be a possibility. And then OBJ, mostly stemming from the fact that he wasn't in the, in the lineup and they did well without him, is why he could get traded. But that one, I see 5%. I really don't see that happening. I think that he's going to return to the Browns and make them even better. Number 12, I've got who goes first. I've got three who goes firsts, but for the first one, I've got Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. I think that ultimately it's going to be Etienne. I think that once teams and scouts are watching the tape, he hits the holes quicker. He's just a more complete athlete. He's faster. I think that the pure player look makes people think that Harris is the new next coming of Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley or some huge thighed wrecking ball like those guys but I think that he's more of like a Matt Forte James Robinson type I guess I, he has less like explosion and hit the wholeness so I could really see him falling to running back three or four uh, I think that both of them have the possibility to go to the Steelers Jaguars and Jets those are probably the three biggest teams that they could for the next who goes first I've got JC Horn or Patrick Sertan the both the cornerbacks uh, I've always thought Sertan would be that pick, but now I'm starting to lean towards J.C. Horn. I think that there's a possibility that one of those two goes higher than 10, but ultimately I think that it's at the Cowboys pick is when the first cornerback is going to be selected. It's always been mocked that Sertan's going to go there, but I think that they ultimately select Horn. Uh, though he was less productive in college, technically, he's a higher ceiling. I think he's much better in man coverage. He's much faster, and when it comes down to it, just what's been going on the last month with Horn quickly rising after Farley's drop, 
Sertan really hasn't done anything to cement himself as that number one corner, and I think that Horn ends up going before him. 14, I've got Jalen Watt. It's who goes first, Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith. I've got Waddle. I can actually see Smith dropping very, very far because of the concerns that I was saying before. Again, less of a knock on him as a player or what he could do in this league, but when you're comparing him to Rashad Bateman for as productive as he was, it's what we need in this current NFL that's so pass-heavy down the field. He has the speed to be a productive receiver. I'm not saying that I completely agree with this, but that reasoning is enough that he could definitely slip very, very far. And then the last question that I have is, will any interior linemen be drafted in the first round at all? I think that there's only really two guys that could be a first-round option, and that's Christian Barmore and Levi Onwuzurike. Both could go first. I think both are definitely going to be picked before at least pick 40, but I only see one of the two going in the first round. Uh, the teams that are probably in the market for it later down the line are the Browns, the Buccaneers, the Titans. Uh, they could look to improve their interior of their O-line. Probably if it's one of the two, it's going to be Barmore, but I could see both easily falling out. I could see both going early 20s. If I had to guess, if I had to make a bet, I'd say one will go. And that is all I've got for you guys. I hope that you guys enjoyed the questions I had prepared. I hope that you guys are as excited for the draft as I am. Uh, I just also wanted to say quickly, please make sure to follow me on TikTok at the Sauce Lab Podcast. Uh, just recently, I've started to make some TikToks. One actually recently had the most views that I've ever had on a TikTok, which I'm very happy. So hopefully we can continue to keep that rolling. There, I think I'm going to do more one minute long random takes about the upcoming season. And then here is more for strong out analysis where I actually go very deep into each pick, into each thing that I think. That's just going to be more one minute little tidbit, whatever. But I hope that you guys can follow me on both. I want to really grow this platform and eventually start to maybe even do Q&As through Twitter, Q&As through TikTok, uh, more giveaways, more things like that. So have an amazing day. I hope that you guys kill it in whatever you do. Go crazy. I love you guys. Peace.